I, I guess I don't put the acronym for animal protein in because I've been vegan for 34 years. So my cooking is SOFAS, SOFAS free, sugar, oil, flour, alcohol, and salt. I add the flour and the alcohol because I don't think people should be consuming those either. They're processed foods. They're not found in nature. They're calorically dense. But it was really Dr. Alan Goldhammer at True North that started the SOS free. here with Chef AJ. We are so excited about this segment because we're going to talk about the ultimate plan for weight loss. That's right. But I'm also going to mix in this weird thing going on with the coronavirus and when it's appropriate and how it's appropriate to lose weight without sacrificing the strength of your immune system. Chef AJ, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I know you and I interviewed uh, together at a plant-based conference. It must have been more than a couple years ago. Um, and, you know, we have mutual friends and, of, of course, uh, John McDougal, and we were both at a conference, and I got to snag you and, and do a quick interview there. But you're one of our most popular guests, Chef AJ. I mean, you, you, you got humor. You've been a stand-up comic on Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and uh, you have pictures of you back then, don't you? Those were different types of pictures, weren't they, Chef AJ? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, uh, Nick, when I was on the Tonight Show, I weighed more than 60 pounds than I weigh now. So when people don't believe me, I refer them to the YouTube video because I lived through the Northridge earthquake of 94. My building was red tagged. So I don't have any photographic proof, but that video lives on to see that I was really quite obese. Wow, that, that's amazing, Chef AJ. And, you know, I, I've lived, born and raised in California my whole life, so I remember, remember the Northridge earthquake because Orange County isn't far from Northridge. You know, it's it's a good hour drive maybe, plus or minus depending on traffic. But uh, that puppy shook. I mean, we felt that. I've been through every major earthquake here at least in the last 65 years. Uh, but uh, if that dates me since I'm single now, I'm giving up my age, right? But, uh, you know, the reality is uh, life has has its twists and turns, but I think the biggest challenge that people have with this coronavirus is they're going about uh, systems of trying to get in shape and lose weight that actually leave their body susceptible to viruses, colds, flus, influenza, and, and to say the least, the coronavirus, because if they're fasting long periods of time and they're not eating, I just pulled up a Scientific American article I, I, I want to uh, bring to everyone's attention too, but you and I have a different way of losing weight, and it has generally speaking, unless you fast for addiction purposes to kind of detoxify initially, and, and you and I know about True North, of course, and you're a regular up there, but there's purposes, and that's under medical supervision, but people running around doing this window of fasting constantly when they could just be fasting on fruits and vegetable soups and salads, right, and, and caloric Absolutely. density. You know, I, I think, you know, there's benefits to fasting. People do that often annually on their birthday just as a longevity tool, but I don't believe people should fast to lose weight. I think people should eat the way they plan to eat for the rest of their life to lose weight. The problem is people go on a diet, which means if you go on a diet, then eventually you're going to go off a diet. We need to make a major permanent lifestyle change. And I think the only way that weight loss will ever be sustainable for anyone is if it's permanent. And that's why it, 97 or 98 percent of people that lose weight through a great deal of suffering and deprivation gain it all back. It's usually within two years, if not sooner. Absolutely. And what concerns me is that people think that the proper way to lose weight is to deprive themselves, is to starve, is to maybe almost they're like a bad person and they need 
need to like really, really bear down and just, just sacrifice. And yet the reality is willpower just doesn't work, does it? People can't control the urge to eat any more they, than they can control the urge to use the restroom. I mean, really, in fact, if they're eating properly on a high fiber, high water content diet, they're constantly going to the restroom, getting a little extra exercise. They're urinating because their body is highly hydrated, which protects them from the coronavirus and flus and colds. They are more toxins are leaving their body because all that fiber, our primitive relatives, what do they consume? 120 grams of fiber a day. I recommend between 60 and 100 grams of fiber a day minimum. But you stated in a show I watched you with John, uh, or that is Rich Roll, and he mentioned, or you mentioned, that the average American consumes 90% of their calories from animal-based foods, meaning animal-based foods have zero fiber. Got it. Okay, thanks for the correction because processed foods obviously uh, include sugars and and oils and uh, and people don't think of oils as being processed, do they? Food on the planet. That's how we first met. Uh, how to become diabetic in in six hours. And um, I, I I think the important thing is uh, I'm going to flash to that video that first brought us together here. Here, here we go. Let's see if I can just uh, bring it up on the screen. Uh, let, let's take a quick clip of this. Check this out my triglyceride is less than 45 that's when i first drew my blood less than 45 see the less than number the hdl shows 37 but my total cholesterol is uh, fairly low not non-hdl ldl it didn't even read because my ldl is so low okay overall and my glucose was 96. so after two hours of consuming the the olive oil my triglycerides doubled <coughs> They went from less than 45. Granted, if I had taken someone who already follows a typical American diet, doesn't exercise much, I would have got a, a quicker rise, but you know, it's gonna take just a little bit more effort to, to, to mess up Nick's blood. So my triglycerides doubled, and that was enough to convince me the olive oil, although they were still in a reasonable range, if I can continue to wait, the olive oil would have continued to elevate my blood levels. But then, to make it worse, I added uh, pizza and a sandwich with cheese and meat. <clears throat> People eat dinner at about 8 or 9 o'clock at night, 12, 1 or 2, when fat rolls in the blood and reaches its peak 3, 4 or 5 hours after it's been ingested. Now, now notice after... So I, I think the important thing to recognize, Chef AJ, is... You know, my experiment was under a microscope. It, it, it included uh, what's called the cholestex. So I was actually measuring in real time every two hours on the hour uh, as well. Uh, triglycerides, which is the measure of fat rolling into the bloodstream. The level of glucose level, which I predicted within six hours, I would test diabetic uh, after eating a high fat meal. And people will argue, oh, go on a keto diet and it'll protect your blood sugar levels and you're avoiding sugar from starch. And they're so confusing to people. As you said, marketing has prevailed over science when in reality, I can induce diabetes. This is a true fact. In almost 100% of the people, simply by making sure they consume enough oil and fat, processed oils and fats, 
separated from fiber because nuts and seeds won't roll into the bloodstream like that but separated oils and fats and then people say oh but you after you drank the olive oil you, you had a sandwich you know which had bread and it, it and it had meat and cheese well i was just eating what most people do and then i topped it off with some pizza so tell me people who don't in america eat uh, hoagie sandwiches and pizza right uh, but i i started with olive oil because i wanted to show it would double my triglycerides and triglycerides thicken the blood and clump it together later on in the video i actually show the blood cells clumped and stuck together and you see this in real time and then more than that uh, if you watch the video closely about five hours into the video i had a lay down on the ground i was so um overwhelmed with the amount of fat going into my bloodstream my brain was deprived of oxygen and i had to lay down and i was essentially uh in a comatose state uh you know people drink coffee to wake up and they don't want to fall asleep during the day so that's why bulletproof they make you ch chase coconut oil with caffeine right because it's a drug delivery system to keep them awake because they're so overloaded with fat all day does that make sense does that even is that possible it was. I loved that video. That's what lead, led me to want to uh, find you and meet you because it's it's just so it's such a great visual, you know, explanation of what we, we're saying that's happening to your arteries and things like that. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I look at that, Chef AJ, and, and um, I love it that you do cooking classes that are SOS. And I wondered, what does SOS stand for? Is it like save me with a with with a you, you know the lifesaver mat that you're throwing out in the ocean, or is it actually salt uh, and uh, sugar and oil? So. Uh, I'll start with sugar. Sugar is probably worse in most people's minds than oil. And then I'll put salt at the end. But to me, I would almost say, uh, what would I say? I would say SOP, uh, sugar, oil, and protein, animal protein. To me, that's far worse than salt. Salt, you know, depending on the individual and the situation, right? I, I guess I don't put the acronym for animal protein in because I've been vegan for 34 years. So my cooking is SOFAS, SOFAS free, sugar, oil, flour, alcohol, and salt. I add the flour and the alcohol because I don't think people should be consuming those either. They're processed foods. They're not found in nature. They're calorically dense. But it was really Dr. Alan Goldhammer at True North that started the SOS free because his feeling is this SOS does mean help, save me. And most people do need to be saved from the, from the you know, the ravages of this eating the standard American diet. So, you know, it's just depending on who you talk to, which is worse, sugar, oil, or salt. When you ask Dr. Goldhammer, he goes, that depends. Would you rather be shot or hung? So, you know. Well, I, I think the shot or hung doesn't uh, sound too good to me. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like life and uh, particularly life in the fast pace, enjoying love, intimacy, uh, energy, well-being. And you know, when you're fasting and walking around starving, you don't have interest in making love. You don't have interest in exercising. In every animal study, when they put them on these fasting programs, some of them lived longer, but they sat at the bottom of the cage with a poor, uh, poor quality of life. They, they, they want to, uh, how shall I say, they want to uh, protect their energy uh, and preserve their energy because they're so weak and fragile and yet you know we, we we look at that and people think oh wow yeah fasting you know you're gonna feel great well someone's on a high fat high protein diet when they fast they clear their system for a while and they do feel better uh, for a while but if you take a person who's always clean on an oil-free uh, pro animal protein free uh, sugar-free diet you put them on a fasting program their blood sugar drops they feel weak they feel tired and listless and that's that's not a good thing right 
Well, I think people should, there are some therapeutic benefits to fasting that are really beyond the scope of what I know because that's not my area of expertise. But my feeling is, is you should live your life in a manner that you don't need to fast, that you don't need to cleanse. Because like you say, when we you eat like we do, everything unprocessed, unrefined, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts and seeds, you're not harming your body. So you don't need to, you know, do, people do this thing called the master cleanse where they drink maple syrup and cayenne pepper. I mean, that's just... It's just ridiculous. You, you shouldn't have to live your life that way. I, I so agree with you, uh, Chef AJ. And, you know, uh, in a person like myself, I've been oil-free, uh, animal protein-free, and sugar-free for 43 years. And people say, what? What? What is this? You, you can't live? You're not 65. You look at least 20 years <laughs> younger than your stated age. Okay, you can repeat that again for the audience. No, 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 no I'm teasing. years younger than your stated age. You look maybe, you know, 40s. I would guess 40s. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have to say, because I'm single and I'm out on dates, if I say 65, you just see their eyes roll back in their head thinking, God, he's older than my dad, and uh, oh my God, you know, I, I'm totally ruled out as, as a, a possible uh, uh, date, you know, if I date a lady 40 or, you know, or 50 or whatever, and I'm saying 65, he says, oh, this is like grandpa. I'm like, yeah, I am a grandpa. But you know what? It's, it's okay because age is, age is simply a number, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially That's when you have <laughs> when you have energy, you can run circle around people. I can outlift guys half my my age in the gym. I'm not bragging. I, I compete in strength endurance competitions, uh, you know, from from a competitive athletic standpoint, but also because it, it, it proves something that plant-based protein uh, uh, living, uh, you can build muscle, you can be stronger than your competitors who are animal-based. Uh, I, I believe 14 of the Tennessee Titan linemen uh, in the NFL and running backs and, and, um, and safeties have gone plant-based. I mean, it's becoming a huge thing, particularly I think the game changer with Arnold Schwarzenegger coming out saying he's gone plant based right that was a great movie by the way you know for people that were concerned especially men that they would be inadequate somehow if they ate a plant-based diet and, and i thought that was spectacular what they show what they're capable of doing on a plant-based diet even winning olympic gold medals and we know that uh, Carl Lewis, uh, the Olympian, was influenced by John McDougall, our good friend, to go at the end of his career on a plant-based, whole food, oil-free diet, and he broke his own world records at a time he shouldn't have been able to break his own records because literally he was, you know, how many, a couple, of, eight years later, you know, in terms of after winning the gold medal. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, one of the great Sprinters coming back, uh, we see the Jamaican, he's talking about uh, Bolt, right? He's coming back possibly in Japan. But who knows with them shutting down all these events and uh, due to the coronavirus. So let's, let's focus in on then on this segment. What do we need to do to help people understand that the immune system is influenced uh, by the foods that we eat? It, it is influenced uh, by the exercise we do, the outdoor daylight, the activities. So in this segment, we're returning everyone to really learn the truth about proper weight loss 
I see in the background the real truth about weight loss. This is great. And, and really getting into the facts and the details, how the immune system actually works. And it's kind of mysterious to people about the immune system, right? I mean, I look at the immune system on a daily basis under a high-powered microscope, and I, I share with people and I teach people. I'm one of the few doctors in the world, a PhD, of course, but I train MDs um, and uh, those doctors who are interested in understanding how does our body function at the cellular level. And that's how I first created that video, How to Become Diabetic in Six Hours, because people need to see the effect of blood and circulation and blood flow. And where are we going to get the most oxygen to our brain, to the cells, to the immune system, to the lungs? How do we get that, Chef AJ? Fruits and vegetables. <laughs> Sunshine, adequate sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I think that the important thing is to recognize that the balance of calories becomes critical as well. You can kind of get into that mode of where, where you're eating fruits and vegetables, but if you're really skinny and you're already near your ideal body weight, salads and vegetables and fruit won't make it, right? You're going to have to add in potatoes, some starch, wow. some yams, beans. Absolutely. That I'm, I'm, on, I'm a big fan of starch. Most of my calories come from starch, but a large portion of the volume comes from calorically dilute fruits and vegetables. So you need both. Now, Chef AJ, you must have been terrified when the thought of going on a weight management program, here you were by at your own admission, you finally came out and kind of felt more comfortable in the social uh, arena about being a food addict. And here you were looking at this idea and there was some turning point in your life where you decided to go on a plant-based whole foods diet. And I bet there was just a, bet of, a, a slight bit of doubt in your mind that just the idea of eating starch, potatoes, and and beans, and rice. Gosh forbid, everyone's got made it so that fruit's even bad for you, saying that it turns into sugar of all things. So what did you think about that, especially when you know the spud potato man's, what, he's lived on three years of potatoes only, and he reduced, what, almost 150 pounds or more? And you look at Dr. Kempner, Duke University, what did they do? They put people on a rice fruit diet, and after a year, the average obese person reduced 147 pounds. What were you thinking, though, when you were going on a starch diet? Were you a little bit worried? Well, I was worried because, you know, you're always taught, you know, carbs are bad, potatoes are fattening, and they're not. It's what you put on them that's fattening. It's the butter and the cheese and the bacon bits and the sour cream that you put on them. So, you know, I, I was actually doing this, as Dr. Lyle put it, as an experiment. I was working with Dr. Doug Lyle, who's a psychologist at the True North Health Center. He said, we're just going to do this as an experiment for 30 days and see how it goes. And I thought he was just ridiculous and it wasn't going to work. And I said, I'll show you. I'm going to do this for 90 days and show you it doesn't work. So that by the time, because this was in January, it was like 90 days from January 1st. Of 2011? Yeah, this was 2012, actually. Okay. And I said, by the time we do 90 days, it'll be my birthday, and I'm just going to eat a rich dessert and show you you're, you're off your rocker. But you know what? It's a, a high-starch, low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet has never not worked. And, of course, it worked, and it worked very quickly. At the beginning, I was losing a pound a week, which for some people is, is slow. A lot of people – I was hypothyroid, and I was not taking medication back then. A lot of people lose two pounds, even three or four pounds a week, depending on how much weight they have to lose. But, but here's the thing. I felt so good eating that way and I felt so calm in my brain and I didn't have food cravings for the first time and I wasn't obsessed about my food that even 
when I lost just a small amount of weight, I remember saying to my husband, you know, even if I didn't lose any weight, I want to continue eating this way because I feel so good. I didn't have the constant cravings for sugar and flour and caffeine. Well, you were basically a, how shall we say, a junk food vegan. Yeah, uh, fat vegan is what Dr. McDougall calls it. What would you call it? What? Dr. McDougall calls us fat. Well, I was a fat vegan, and now I'm a skinny bitch, according to Dr. McDougall. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know there's some book out there with some lady who's a skinny bitch. Now, is she plant-based? I don't know her whole story. I don't know if she is right now. She was when she wrote the book, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's interesting because I remember back uh, when I switched over to a, a plant-based whole foods diet and uh, it was because I had high cholesterol and I had had a stroke when I was age 22 like John McDougall did. I had a TIA, not as damaging, if you will, as uh, John McDougall did. His was pretty devastating, his particular stroke. And I believe his occurred when he was in his early 20s. I'm not sure, but um, I was 21. I had had a stroke. I was out on the football field and um, uh, during halftime of the Turkey Bowl, of of all things. And uh, I fell to the ground, lost complete feeling on my right side. I couldn't get up. Since I was working in physical therapy and I was a a graduate student in physical therapy at Rancho Los Amigos USC, I knew exactly what was happening to me and I couldn't get my body up. I, I, you know, I was starting to slur my words and it was terrifying. And and that rude awakening told me, even though I was on blood pressure medications and the doctors told me that you're just going to have to be on medications the rest of your life. I'd already cut out salt out of my diet. Uh, They told me you can't be stressed. I was kind of a cool cucumber there. I was not stressed. I mean, I was in high school of all things, you know, then into college. And so when I saw Nathan Pritikin on my three patients, that was their turning point on 60 Minutes. I bought his book, Live Longer Now. I followed it to a T. I met Nathan Pritikin in Pasadena, California, where there were 600 people, and I had him sign my book, Live Longer Now. And uh, I, I, I was invited to come work with him at the Pritikin Longevity Center. So by the age of 22, I had already lost uh, the weight, uh, about 50 pounds, and I showed him my before-after picture, and that was his uh, reason to invite me to come work with him, which was the huge turning point in my life. Ever since then, I've been able to manage my weight, and now in my 60s, I've gained muscle weight because I'm a little concerned of human frailty as well. What do you think? I just think the fact that you got to work with Nathan Pritikin is amazing because if, if, if I could interview anybody today, dead or alive, I would love to interview him because he wasn't a medical doctor, but he understood this so well to not be afraid of starch. He, his program was based in calorie density, and, and he's helped, he helped so many people with his diet. Yeah, Nathan uh, was like almost like my father. I, I mean, literally every night, uh, at the end of our workday, he and I uh, would sit across from each other at the Santa Monica Longevity Center and talk about case studies. Sometimes I was literally present when he would have a, a visiting dignitary or a celebrity or an athlete come in to be counseled by him. And uh, it got to the point where, because I, I was his right-hand man, uh, wherever he spoke, I got to attend the lecture and stand next to him while he counseled each person. And I could actually, I got so clear about his philosophy that when someone asked him a question, I I was at a point where I could 
paraphrase exactly what he was going to tell them. And he always said it with great enthusiasm. It was like the first time he'd ever been asked the question. And I learned composure and compassion because, you know, it's tough for us to be compassionate, particularly for skinny bitches or people who have always been in great shape, right? We're like, oh, come on, just just push your your, your, your way away from the table. Stop eating, right? And Or, or you, you, you have poor discipline. And I was a fatty as a kid my whole life. I, I wear husky jeans and I was made fun of and I was bullied. And I think about, you know, how that was for me and I can only imagine you know kids growing up this day now most kids are obese and in those days you and I we were the exception in the classroom right yep that what and what now it's something like what one out of every three kids under the age of 18 is overweight or obese when I was went to school there was only one fat kid in every grade of 40 kids or so and I was that kid up oh college yeah. oh it must have been devastating for you wasn't it it is hard you know my, my i go by chef aj but my legal name is abby and i mean my nickname was flabby abby it was terrible i did not like it at all let me tell you i, I mean i, I kind of was able to deflect a lot of it because i was funny oh wow that i i think i actually have that book on my bookshelf yeah so so this this was one of the first good books uh, i'm trying to put it in the right screen on caloric density right he really right. described eat the foods that are highest in water content high in fiber fruits vegetables mushrooms cucumbers tomatoes and you made that very clear and a, a point it didn't make sense to you but there, there's a point where the light bulb went off and you said wow that is the key but really that is the key you know I, I interviewed now probably close to 75 people for this annual summit i do called the truth about weight loss including the mother of calorie density dr barbara rolls who has like close to 300 research papers based on calorie density she does a lot of research at Penn State University and calorie density is the key to any successful sustainable weight loss program whether it includes animal products or not which I don't recommend you, you can't you can't defy the laws of thermodynamics and you can't defy the laws of calorie density and people don't understand the calorie density isn't the same as counting calories or weighing and measuring your food on a plate or counting you know carbs or points it's just understanding that food ranges in calories per pound from about 100 calories per pound on one end which is non-star vegetables to 4,000 calories a pound, which is processed oil. And you really just have to understand a few major food groups and to, to really employ the principles of calorie density. Chef AJ, uh, I wrote this book back around year 2000, Grow Young and Slim. And this book came out because not only did I understand the importance of, of caloric density and plant-based oil-free, sugar-free cooking, but I understand hormones and it was then because the mother of my uh 27 year old she died of hyperthyroidism and so i i delved deep into all the hormonal disruptors and imbalances and so i wrote this book and you made a really amazing statement uh, about uh hormonal balance and women tell me about women and their estrogen there's some statement if you can remember oh, the no, sentence you know I'd be happy to say, but realize that probably everything clever I say I'm taking from Dr. Goldhammer, that, that women are energy conservation fat storage machines. That's what Dr. Goldhammer calls us. And it's because of the estrogen, right? Because Partly. Estrogen, which we needed because and we still needed to have babies because our ancestors didn't have the same problem. Now we're in a, an environment of caloric abundance. We're overfed yet undernourished, but our ancestors could barely get enough to eat. And if it wasn't for the woman's ability to store fat, she would lose the baby. And 
that has continued, unfortunately. You know, men have testosterone, which is a fat-burning hormone, but you don't want to give testosterone to a female because she could, you know, grow hair on her chest and even get cancer. But, it, you know, you could be on the exact same diet as your husband or boyfriend, and you'll lose a half a pound to a pound a week, and they'll lose three or four. It's it's not fair, but it's, it's you know, it's just that's what it is. Well, I have one area because I do coach and counsel uh, patients on uh, hope, hope, hope for cancer, and I get a lot of referrals from Dr. Tony Jimenez, and these individuals go on a plant-based, oil-free, you know, whole foods eating. But he also says that I'm arguably probably one of the world experts on hormone uh, intervention, and so he'll have his patients call me up after they're leaving the center because you know when you leave a center it's like leaving this safe haven right you you know you're going out into the real world and those conditions like true north or in hope for cancer there's a 30-day program and they make the meals everything's controlled you're, you're you're really in a safe haven so when you go out in the real world you've got to know what to do you've got to be able to manage your hormone levels, manage eating out at restaurants, manage your food preparation. And so you're a master at these things. And for myself, I'm a master. I try and work on all of these things because my end point is how do I get my clients results? Ultimately, they either succeed or don't succeed. So if maybe I've addressed their dietary habits, but I haven't addressed their hormonal issues or their set, their mindset, the power of the mind, hypnosis and timeline therapy. So for you and me, although, you know, one statement came up and I'm, I'm just going to bring it up because I also studied with the world expert on hormone uh, therapy uh, with Dr. Terry Hertog, and he has uh, gone about training over over 26,000 physicians around the world. And I have to say right now, the plant-based community is anti-IGF, uh, they're anti-testosterone, and yet they don't understand that the real problem is that testosterone converts into estrogen. So men will ironically inject testosterone and it converts into excess estrogen. But there's a way with bioidentical, if they do it properly with the proper herbs, uh, with cruciferous vegetable extract herbs to clear out the harmful estrogens while they get the benefit of testosterone. And a Harvard professor, Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler, the book's over on that shelf. I'm surrounded with books all over here. And he wrote the book, Testosterone for Life. And he said that testosterone, even in cancer patients, even in prostate cancer patients, which was a myth uh, that it didn't worsen the condition, it didn't grow the cancer. And in fact, women are now getting a little testosterone pellet or testosterone cream because women have one-tenth the amount of testosterone as men and they're getting in shape. They're not growing hair. They grow hair if maybe they had a tendency to and you just have to know the dosages and how to manage that. But plant-based people have higher natural testosterone levels just because they uh, are eating healthy, whereas animal-based foods are higher in estrogen. So we do know, though, that they have more sex hormone binding globulin, and that tends to suppress free testosterone. So I give a product that doesn't have any testosterone in it called Testrovita, and it has herbs that releases the free te testosterone while it... Uh, uh, actually attaches to the excess estrogen and, and the harmful byproducts. So, you know, I'm always looking at ways to make it easier for people. And people say, well, wait a minute, you've covered way too much here. Where do we start? Right, Chef AJ? The foundation is diet and exercise and mindset, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the hormonal aspect. One of the things you tell people where to start, a lot of times they won't make a clean sweep and give everything up, but at least start with dairy. Why on earth would you be drinking a hormonal secretion that's designed to make a baby calf grow to 800 pounds? Human beings are the only species that not only drink milk after maturity, but drink milk from another species. And basically what you're drinking is liquid estrogen. And it's just, that to me is just insane. Even if people wanted to eat meat, why anyone would drink milk other than it's highly addictive. Dr. Barnard just wrote a great book about this called Hormone Haywire. Oh, no, excuse me, it's called Balance. Oh boy, I forget what it's called, but it's it, the lecture that he gives is called Hormone Haywire. Uh, ba- balancing, I, I, I'd have to Google it. It's a new book by Dr. Barnard, but it's basically on this subject. Let's see what it's called. Neil Barnard, <laughs> Hormone Balance. Dr. Barnard. Yeah, I've got it as Physicians Committee for um, Public. Here's his book, Your Body in Balance. There you go. I knew it had the word balance. It's (laughs) all about these estrogens that are in food, especially animal products, especially dairy, and how it affects our ability to to function, to get what diseases we get because of them. Things like endometriosis or PCOS, all these things go away when women stop ingesting these hormones from dairy and other animal products. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's exciting to recognize that diet plays a huge role in our hormonal balance. And, you know, I wrote the book, uh, Simply Healthy Cookbook, which is oil-free, dairy-free, plant-based. It was one of the early books. Uh, Tony Robbins used the early version of this, How to Look Great and Feel Sexy, at his events. And, you know, I say this because, you know, when, when you help people to recognize that fiber attaches to harmful estrogens in the gut and draw it out of the body, the, it, it actually balances out the hormones. It allows the testosterone level to be in a youthful level. You know, when we're young, men have good, healthy testosterone levels. We have less estrogen. By the time a man's age 50, they have more estrogen than a uh, menstruating female at age 20. So guys have man boobs, they have bellies, they have prostate problems, not because of testosterone, be lack of it and excess estrogen and do you know the highest concentration of estrogen comes from what food category um well it's got to be some kind of animal product i would imagine in in this particular order because animals have menstrual cycles beef maybe eggs beef pork chicken all these animals have they have a menstruating cycle and because they menstruate you're eating their estrogen and and then the runoff of their poop and the and the urine goes into the into the the fields and we have this massive amount of estrogen exposure from animal byproduct in the farms it's it's reading reaching the the table water even birth control pills end up in the water supply so individuals are exposed to more estrogen now because of an animal based diet than in the history of all of mankind is that is that shocking or what i i believe it i believe it and, and yet people just, you know, they go on the keto diet, the paleo diet, and nobody ever talks about this. Yeah, it, it's interesting because these keto and uh, animal-based diets are loaded with animal product, which is excessively high in estrogen. Now, I came up with a natural solution on a book I wrote, Acne Be Gone for Good, co-written with uh, a top board certified dermatologist, Dr. Sonia uh, Batarisi. And and what she agreed was that these animal foods are causing excess estrogen, which 
alters the androgen levels and increases DHT in the skin and causes acne. Do you know 80% of people are going to have acne at some time during their life? And I wrote the, the basis in the book and she agreed with it. And then there's supplements we use that are high in cruciferous vegetable extracts like DIM and indole-3-carbinol. And so the good news is there's a way to clear acne in young people and in adults. You know, adult acne is common too, right? Absolutely, especially people that eat dairy and oil. Yeah, and I think John McDougall, he had these twins that had acne, and he got them to go, they were, I think they were already plant-based, but he got them to go oil-free, and their acne cleared up. Did you hear about that case? I know them, Nina and Randa Nelson, and they were they were born vegan, but they were eating, like you say, processed oils and probably nuts and seeds, and then when they went on a strict McDougall diet, they completely reversed their acne. I'm on a live stream. Yeah. So that being said, you know, we, we go through life um, not knowing why over 20 different diseases occur in humans because of an animal centered diet. My good friend, and you know him as well, uh, we had him on our podcast and at one of the plant-based events, uh, I interviewed him uh, for, for our webinar, How Not to Die by Michael Greger, where he documents clearly over 20 different disease conditions. And this is not new. Dr. Dennis Burkett in my day, who I got to hear publicly speak in 1978 and 79, said the exact same thing before the U.S. Senate hearings. Wow. You, you, you met everybody that I would have loved to have met. Uh, you name it, I met them uh, and worked with them or studied with them. And you know, the best time after a seminar is to walk up to them and hear the questions and answers after. That's when it gets really interesting because those are the tough questions that sometimes people publicly don't want to put out there and they're unsure how the individual is going to react. And so uh, I always like to watch the, the speaker squirm if it was a tough question, right? So when Dave Asprey was on a, on a broadcast and we looked at his blood, under a microscope uh, and since it was public nature bulletproof Dave Asprey had a whopping high cholesterol high triglyceride high glucose and I said Dave what's going on you're advocating a keto diet you're the biggest advocate of it you're the best marketer of it but your blood looks horrific and he said well maybe it was the wine I drank the night before well what are you drinking wine for uh, do you have addictions? Is there problems? And he said, well, it was due to uh, fungal and microbial infections and issues that I have. And, you know, I don't deny there are uh, delayed food allergies, right? People consume uh, foods that they may be sensitive to. And there is a food inflammatory test that people can take, right? And, and identify how the white blood cells react. So there is a need for personalized nutrition. I know John McDougall in his book, he talks about the elimination diet. And that's part of True North, right? You gradually introduce foods that people are hardly allergic to at all and then you remove their arthritis their autoimmune conditions i know joel Furman talks a lot about this right absolutely i mean people don't even have to go to true north and fast to do an elimination diet on their own there's there, it's outlined for free on dr mcdougall's website it can be very beneficial if somebody's suffering with a food allergy or a food intolerance wow it's so exciting to, to reminisce about the history of nutrition and I'm old enough to have been there <laughs> to experience it. Chef AJ, this segment is donated to you completely. I want you to give us all those incredible tips about what does it take to get in shape, to look great, to feel great, and to not be hungry. I mean, hungry is not a good part of permanent uh, weight loss as a solution, is it? 
Absolutely not. And that's where many people fail, if you will, when they're going on a, a new type of eating plan is they don't eat enough food because you can't apply calorie density to the food you used to eat. Animal products and processed foods are extremely calorically dense, what I call to the right of the red line. They have a calorie density greater than 600 calories a pound. The foods I recommend people eat, I call this lose weight with a full plate, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. They have relative calorie densities of 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600 calories per pound and what one of the things dr rolls discovered at her research at penn state university is that human beings eat roughly the same amount of food per day by weight we eat about three to five pounds of food wow and simply change the average caloric density of the food we eat if we do that by say as little as 500 calories a pound we could safely sustainably deliciously lose about a pound a week and the problem is that people want fast weight loss they want results fast rather than results that will last people unless they know me don't realize that yeah i've kept these 50 to 60 pounds off now for six years effortlessly but it took me about 27 months to lose them i did not lose them quickly like people do on a keto or paleo diet which definitely will result in weight loss in the short term but you end up mortgaging your health in the long term but but chef aj isn't the weight loss truly attributed mostly to water loss because it takes more water to digest all that excess protein and fat they're consuming and they're really sacrificing even some of their lean body mass because carbohydrates particularly starch have a protein sparing effect meaning they protect your body protein isn't that true well absolutely and also like that's why people like they'll go on a diet that i recommend and they haven't eaten carbs for a long time and they'll eat a potato and they'll go oh my god i gained four pounds well you couldn't have gained four pounds of body fat because it takes 3500 calories to gain a pound of body fat and potatoes are only 365 calories a pound and I really doubt you ate 10 pounds of potatoes but what happens is those four pounds two pounds are the glycogen that's now in your muscles and your liver and two pounds are the water so you're right when people go on these low-carb diets there they are often losing lean muscle mass and definitely water and a lot of times it's you know they're eating salt and so people there people freak out and that's why I don't recommend people even weigh themselves at least not very often not more than about once a month I would agree with you. I think um, it's scary to people and those who are overweight, they want to see because everyone promises lose 10 pounds in two weeks. And, you know, of course, sure, you you can starve yourself or you can lose water weight. And you mentioned it, the intestines hold 10 pounds of food. So if they're either fasting or eating foods with little or no fiber, such as, you know, a, a slice of chicken or, or tuna, there's no fiber. So the intestines has not, have nothing in it. So you've lost 10 pounds from the intestines and all the water weight, which could be 10 pounds. So a person theoretically could lose 10 to 15 pounds of weight in a few weeks but then they gain it back with a vengeance because they haven't really taught the body to shrink fat you know the classic experiment I heard about was where they had people take in 800 calories and by caloric density they should have lost weight but they tagged the fat and they found out that 36 percent of the fat went right to the fat storage cells even though the 800 calories should have been completely burned right Wow, that's in, that's incredible. That's you know you don't lose. I mean, Dr. Lau says you if you're doing it right, you lose about two ounces of fat a day. You can't even measure that day to day, let alone week to week. You know, and that's the thing. Slow. This is this is a process, and slow and steady really does win the race when it comes to weight loss. But again, people are looking for an answer to lose weight, but then they want to go back to the same diet that they were on that made them fat and sick in the first place, and that's never going to work. So 
whatever diet you decide to do, you better love it because you're going to have to be on it the rest of your life if you want to maintain that weight loss. You're right. And uh, there was a time where I was teaching a class that I'll, I'll re-release. And I know you have some incredible books and online courses. And the, my course was called uh, Fat Loss and Fitness, which is actually up online now. And a segment of it is how to get ripped abs. Now, I got to tell you, Chef AJ, I never really cared about ripped abs. I'm not a bodybuilder. I am a weightlifter, competitive strength endurance athlete. But, you know, to have ripped abs, you know, that takes a little bit different type of strategy. But I allowed myself uh, nine months. I followed the exact strategies I was teaching and I truly reduced 15 pounds of body fat, but I also gained five pounds of muscle and I could, you could see ripped abs, an eight pack, not a six pack, an eight pack. And I'm like, wow, I mean, this program works so well. Why doesn't everyone do it? They're so fearful. They think they have to have animal protein of all things isn't that the the biggest holdback and what's the number two holdback it's just i think part of it is they're fearful where am i going to get my protein they haven't obviously read books like the china study or protein but i think that most people do suffer from food addictions maybe not as severe as i or other people but if they're not addicted to coffee and alcohol or, or or meat then why can't they give it up you know sugar things like that so what is the solution to not only a food addiction, but possibly a drug addiction? Dr. Hertog would say it's low cortisol and poor adrenal function. Is there some things that happen mentally, physically, and emotionally when you're making these changes in diet that might truly help a person overcome this addiction? Do you well, give alcohol know. to an alcoholic, for example? Well, I'm not sure that people overcome their addictions. I think they manage them. And, and you know, you do that with, with as to me, with having a clean environment. So, in other words, if you're an alcoholic and you know you're an alcoholic and you just got out of Betty Ford after three months, you don't go back working at the bar as a bartender. You don't keep alcohol in your house. Yet people apply that same kind of mentality to diet. They, they go on whatever diet, but they keep all the crap in their house for their husband or their kids, thinking they're going to use willpower and white knucklet, which never works, as you mentioned earlier. Willpower is a very short-lived commodity, and you know it's only required when you have to make a decision. So if you live in a clean environment full of fresh fruits and vegetables and starches, you don't ever have to make the right choice. But you ask me, what about you know the addiction? Is it cortisol? Is it this? I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but I can tell you the only thing I've ever personally seen work for any addiction is abstinence. But people don't like that idea of never having the substance again, and that's exactly how you know you're addicted to it. Well, I, I would agree with you, and um, I had a lifelong addiction to food, and uh, I, I, I would probably say I had other uh, tendencies to uh, addictions. Uh, I actually won a food eating contest, uh, two different ones, three different ones. One was a hamburger eating contest, and I polished off uh, an insane number of something like 20 hamburgers, and wow. I went to... Um, a buffet in Arcadia, California, uh, St. George's. I don't think they'll ever invite me back. I, I ate 22 plates full of food against oh our God. football team, and I out ate every athlete that was there, including 280 pounders. And at the Orange County Fair, I won a tostada eating contest and a pie eating contest. So I could put away insane amounts of food, but you know, here was the, the, the weird thing. 
I never felt satisfied even after eating all that food. Right, because you know why? Without fiber, you will never feel full. Fiber plus water creates bulk. Bulk creates satiety, and that is the key to the kingdom. And, you know, I'd love to find Dr. Susanna Holm who created the satiety index because the most satiating food on the planet is the potato. You know, we're kindred spirits because I have won, well, I've actually only won one food contest. I was 11 years old in seventh grade, and it was a pie-eating contest, but we had to eat the pie with our hands tied behind our back. So we got, I still have a picture. I was in the school paper with me with whipped cream all over <laughs> my face. And I don't know if you remember ferals. Did they have ferals? Yeah, ice cream ferals. And so they had this thing where if you could eat what's called the trough, which was six, six scoops of ice cream with all these different sauces, they would run around with their little, you know, and give you a ribbon and I still have it it says I made a pig of myself at feral so I could eat too but you're right you know it, until you have uh, until you eat your food with fiber and water which animal products and processed food have neither you're always going to feel unsatisfied you're always going to be hungry because fiber is what puts the brakes on hunger it's what activates those uh, stretch rest receptors and it's 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 an expands in your your stomach sort of like if you think of a sponge before it has water in it that's what fiber does that's what plant food does and most people are on a fiber deficient diet you said that you heard the Dennis Burkett talk and he is famous for saying that if you pass small stools you need large hospitals most people don't poop regularly I don't understand how people that are keto poop at all because they're not eating any fiber it in uh in, in 1991, I wrote this book, Weight Loss and Energy Now, and uh, th this book had all the principles, the 10 principles that we talk about, that you talk about. What are the titles of your two books? Uh, Unprocessed and The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss, and I have two new books coming out this year, Own Your Health and A Date with Dessert. I, I'm going to add one thing to this saga uh, of weight control because I have to admit, even though I've been on a plant-based whole foods diet for 43 years and I used this book, uh, How to Look Great and Feel Sexy, uh, for Tony Robbins. Look at me in a, a bathing suit with my girlfriend at the time there. Uh, but uh, this was in uh, Maui, Hawaii, in a picture of the incredible foods there. But at that time, uh, Chef AJ, I had an eating problem. Even though I ate massive amounts of fiber, plant-based foods, oil-free, I knew I could always control my weight by leaning towards the food density items such as, you know, the cucumbers, the tomatoes, the mushrooms, the fruits, the vegetable soups, and salads. I personally had to restrict the amount of rice and beans and yams that had more caloric density because I could eat massive amounts. And, and even then, I didn't understand why even after eating all that fiber and all that food, why was I still hungry? And here was the little known secret that I had to find out after the mother of my son died 27 uh, years ago. And that was that I had a severe adrenal deficiency. I could not produce enough cortisol like many people who have addictions. And here's what the secret was. It turns out that hydrocortisone, written uh, in this incredible book uh, uh, by uh, William McKinley Jeffries, Safe Uses of Cortisol, Everyone should read this if they're worried about the coronavirus, if they're worried about colds or flus, if they're trying to control addictions to drugs, alcohol, or overeating. I'll put it What's in the name? show notes. Safe Uses of Cortisol by William McKinley Jeffries. He's a, he's a, a Virginia professor. 
he must be in his 80s now i'm going to guess uh the the copyright of this book uh was here let, let me just uh, glance for that's for fascinating because one of the doctors uh, that i interviewed recently dr vera tarman who runs uh, an inpatient food addiction treatment center in canada talked about how some people have what she calls a volume addiction where they might eat healthy foods like carrots but they really overeat on them and i you guys should hook up because maybe that's some information that would benefit her patients as well yeah well here's here's what i learned and 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 uh, I, I can't find the copyright deed on this. I'm sure it's you know it, it's in here, but you know it's a moot point at this stage. Uh, what I learned was that the addiction to food, if you will, the addiction to food is, and here's why it occurs: your body must produce 40 milligrams of cortisol per day to function properly, and cortisol's number one requirement. Without cortisol, you would die in minutes, by the way. Cortisol is designed to break down food substances into amino acids, fatty acids, and glucose. And when it breaks it down, it pushes it into the cells and you become satisfied. Because my body was so burned out, I didn't have good adrenal function, either from years of, you know, some people, years of caffeine or coffee or staying up late, trying to, you know, uh, pass the uh, exams and, you know, just thinking, like my dad told me, you don't need sleep. There's all the time in the world to sleep after you die. I'm like, wow. So I thought, just push past this need for sleep. You don't need it. But during sleep, you produce cortisol and growth hormone and testosterone, all the key hormones. But here was the key. I couldn't produce enough cortisol to push the glucose, the fatty glucose from starch, the fatty acids from, from nuts and seeds, and the amino acids from pro protein into my cells. So I always felt hungry even after I ate, but here's what I discovered. If you ate enough, like over eight, your body would release some cortisol and you'd feel good temporarily. So it turns out that addicts, food or drug addicts, if they eat volumes of food or take volumes of drugs or alcohol, they temporarily feel good. It's kind of like the dopamine fix, but even worse, once they get that cortisol and they get it released, they feel good for a while. And so Addison's, Addison's disease is an extreme form of not having enough cortisol. President John F. Kennedy, who was a sex addict, should I say that openly? I mean, what, he was after Marilyn Monroe. He was married. He, he had women coming in the back door back when, you know, in those days, they kept it secret about their public lives. But um, John F. Kennedy had severe Addison's disease. And the doctor then knew he needed cortisone. And they prescribed him hydrocortisone, which is why the book Safe Uses of Cortisol is the landmark book that explains all this. And Dr. Terry Hertog in his book, The Atlas of Endocrinology for Hormones, is so clear that I only learned about this, let's see, 19, uh, year 2001. So almost 20 years ago, I discovered I had severe adrenal deficiency and I went on hydrocortisone. Now I know I wouldn't have needed that. I would have supported my adrenals, got more sleep, got more sunlight. Sunlight produces more cortisol. And by natural ways, I've learned now with an adrenal cortex product that my hunger has disappeared. Now I can eat a normal plate of food and be satisfied even, you know, and I don't have to eat salt, fat, or oils or protein. So that addiction has been, I got to the cause of the problem. 
That's so, very interesting. Do you have anything written up about this? Because I'm sure people would want to read about this. Uh, I have it uh, written about in, in my online courses and discussed about it in great detail because once you learn not only estrogen dominance and deal with that for women, when you learn cortisol, which is if, if you even are the type that are a closet eater or if you have to eat volumes of food like I did to be satisfied, that's usually uh, inability to produce enough cortisol. That's fascinating. I hope there'll be more research done on this because I, I do know people that really overeat on healthy food. It's possible to overeat healthy food too. And it's possible because I did it. I was able to gain weight on healthy food. Uh, but you have to eat extreme amounts, right? And it's a little more difficult. Yeah. A lot more difficult. But you, by excluding soups and salads and vegetables and, and focusing heavily on the highest density, caloric density, plant-based foods, you could gain weight. Think about um, a sumo wrestler, right? They don't eat all day long. They eat one meal and it's loaded with tofu and a lot of plant foods. They're, they are plant-based and they go up to four or 500 pounds. But That's see, incredible. Then what about, what do you know about de novo lipogenesis then? So is that not true? Because I was, was taught that human beings can't readily convert carbohydrate to fat. We, we can convert very inefficiently, uh, but it's a genetic factor. Here's the other factor with weight loss. Some people are born with 300 billion fat cells and others are born with uh, 30 billion fat cells. So my brother, who's lean no matter what he eats, he's animal product or plant-based. He's basically plant-based again, but he, he oscillates back and forth because he has a very weak immune system. He, he's, he, he's ripped and shredded. He's, he's a skinny guy. Me, I was born with all the fat cells. So I look at a plate of food and I gain weight. I mean, I can gain weight easily. But the, 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 the issue is that because I have more fat stored cells, I can manipulate my diet in such a way that I can increase my estrogens, reduce my um, my hormones that keep me lean and fit. And as you get older, men have a nasty problem of more estrogen, of course, as I did. And so once I learned I had to manage multiple hormones to get in shape, uh, I realized that I wouldn't be a fat converter anymore. I could be a, a, a lean uh, burner, but I had to exercise. Without exercise, I can't stay in shape. I get that belly fat, you know, it just, it just creeps up on me, you know, and, and, and it, it accumulates genetically wherever it's going to be, right? Some women get in their hips, they get it, you know, in their thighs uh, or, or guys in the belly. So that distribution is also a genetic factor. Do you, do you agree with not eating late at night though? I only agree with not eating the wrong foods late at night. I can eat soup, salads, and vegetables late at night. And take off that hunger. And mm -hmm. I know, uh, how do you pronunciate the word where the body uh, eats its own byproduct? Uh, eff, eff, effigy? Autophagy. Autophagy. Autophagy, yes. So there's a school of thought. And uh, Walter Longo from USC says that the window of eating is between 8 in the morning and 8 at night. There's a 12-hour window. Because after 8 o'clock at night, you should calm down and let the body cleanse itself, right? By 8 o'clock in the morning, you should be eating. These people saying your window of fasting should be narrow between 12 noon and cut it off at 6, maybe for really obese people. And if they don't feel hungry, I'm not pushing people to eat when they're not hungry. But I'm hungry all the time. 
uh, back when I didn't have management of my adrenal cortisol levels. Now that I've managed my cortisol levels, I get naturally hungry, and then I know to eat. And, and my symptom is a little weak, empty, and I need to eat a little bit. And I, I just, I, I have some grapes sitting here. <laughs> I'll, I'll nibble through the day, right? Because I don't want to get starved. If I get starved, I'm like a madman. I'll, I'll, I'll start eating crazy. Nice. But worse, if I get too hungry, I'll eat the wrong foods. Because if I'm with family, I had a, a family member move in who's a gourmet chef, Cordon Bleu. And well, how do they prepare the foods, right, Chef AJ? Butter, butter, and butter. <laughs> the more calories, the more sugar and butter, the, the better the dish, right? Yeah. They don't even have a cooking show out there. Why don't they have one on uh, oil-free plant-based uh, cooking? I would love one. I did have 13 episodes on Foodie TV with Healthy Living with Chef AJ, which I, which I had. But you're right. You, don't, you won't see it on a network, that's for sure. That would be fantastic. <laughs> well, it turns out that this relative in-law moved in, and he was making all these dishes, and the house smelled this incredible aroma. And I got to admit, you know, he'd set the plate in front of me, and not only out of being polite, but I was on the go – but for 40 years, I've always prepared a package. I have it down in the car. I, I was so busy. I was running a little late for the show. I left it in the car, and I literally get a little desperate if I don't have food near me where I can reach and grab it. So I at least grab the grapes. Because right. if well, I get I think, too... I think being prepared is the most important thing on any kind of diet or ter- lifestyle. You have to have the, the right food with you at all times. You can't expect it to just manifest. Do you carry food with you? Absolutely. I am. I, I carry a trough with me everywhere I go, especially when I travel. I don't leave home without some kind of cooked starch, like a potato in my purse, some kind of fruit. Absolutely. Because you, you're not going to find the, 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 you can't. It's really difficult to find healthy food when you go out. It's funny, but Michael Clapper, who worked for me in uh, Torrance, California in 1980s, because um, we had Delgado Medical back in the 1980s, and he, he talks about eating before he goes to the restaurant, right? Yep. Same here. Absolutely. Because you even if you could get a compliant meal, you get such small portions for such high cost that you're, I'm never satisfied at a restaurant. Chef AJ, you're so funny. You you mentioned on another show that uh, a, a person had uh, brought their food to the restaurant, paid for the lowest entree, and uh, and 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 had it prepared so no one at the table knew they were bringing their own food. Absolutely, this restaurant in Los Angeles was completely willing to do it. This lady, it was very she, she you know she was in dire health uh, position, and so she got to the restaurant early, gave them her food, they plated it, and they charged her for the lowest entree, so no she. She didn't stick out, and, and it was great. It was really a great solution for her so that she could still do the social aspect without having the spotlight shining on her for eating differently. Wow. We're going to return with a final segment here. Chef AJ, you and I have something else in common, and I'm going to bring it up. It's rather private, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, uh, over jealousy, almost committed suicide myself i believe you were contemplating suicide related to your uh, condition of being overweight Uh, was that the situation yeah i actually attempted suicide on april 1st 1980 when i was 20 i just i just felt there was no hope and it was just just oh it's just devastating to my family you know what i put them through and it was over over being overweight 
You know, I, I, that was part of it. I mean, I, obviously I was depressed too. And the, and the weight was part of it. Cause I had been, I had actually been anorexic in when I was, when I was in my teens okay. and, um, I had, after being anorexic, the way that they treated anorexia in the seventies was basically either you ate or they shoved a tube down your throat. It was nothing about nutrition or eating healthy. It was just to gain weight. Well, I was so out of control and I had been starving for so long when my weight was low that once I started eating, again I just couldn't stop so I quickly gained back all the weights I had lost after being anorexic and then more and then even though I was always able to maintain my weight at about 160 being five foot six after this I got up to close to 200 pounds and I could not deal with it and tell me about uh, this this condition I mean it, it's 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 certainly uh, troubling to think of uh, bulimia and uh, what what is it purging, uh, consuming food and then it's all, you know, and when I talk to the experts now, bulimia, you don't see anybody that's starving bulimic. Bulimia always comes as a result of restriction. And having been anorexic all those years, bulimia was the natural outcome. But in many ways, bulimia is more difficult than anorexia. At least with anorexia, you basically are like that, the, the animal in the cage that you're talking about. You just sit there and conserve energy. You don't do anything. You're cold and you're tired, but you don't have to do anything to maintain anorexia other than not eat. But bulimia requires an extraordinary amount of effort to be able to consume that many calories and then find creative to get rid of it through over-exercising and vomiting and laxative use and diuretic use. And, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's every bit as dangerous as anorexia. And it, it just was horrible. And I was in that for almost five, almost six years. And, you know, I even started smoking cigarettes on purpose, which is a habit I deplore because I just could not deal with all that extra weight. And I didn't know about the work of Nathan Pritikin or, or Walter Kempner or John McDougall at that time. And I felt it was completely hopeless. But, you know, again, the answer is starch. Eat starch. Don't be afraid of it. Of course, eat fruits and vegetables. But once you are satisfied getting enough of your calories from these wholesome, unrefined, complex carbohydrates, carbohydrates like potatoes, sweet potatoes, all the whole grains like rice and corn and oats, beans, lentils, split peas, winter squashes. I, I mean, it's amazing that I eat so much more delicious food now and am able to be slender than I did when I was fat. And it's, it's I don't have to weigh and measure or count or, 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 or worry. I just eat when I'm hungry. And I'm able to stop when I'm full because see, that's the great thing about fiber is one of the reasons, a lot of the times people can't stop eating. Maybe it's not even cortisol. It's because they're not eating food with fiber. It, you never get the breaks put on your eating when you're eating animal products and processed food. You have to overeat on those to feel full. It's interesting. I learned from you at our last get together about the Breville oven and I bought it and I love it, Chef AJ. I made these baby Dutch potatoes. I slice up and I sprinkle on turmeric and, and cayenne and various spices with no salt, no oil, you know, no, no sugar. And it's, oh, I just, I look forward to it. My mouth waters and I could eat them all day long and stay fit. Isn't it great? It's so, I mean, I make, I take a four pound bag of organic potatoes from Trader Joe's. I have this new machine now that cuts them into fries really quickly, like boom, boom, boom. Like What's it called? What's it called? Oh, I, I'll, I'll send you a link. I don't know the name. Okay, it's, okay, it's no problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. It's fantastic. And I actually showed it on my YouTube last week. And, and then, you know, you put them in for 30 minutes, switching the trays at 15 minutes. You have these crisp, delicious French fries and you can dip in ketchup or barbecue sauce. And it's like, we love every day is Friday at my house. <laughs> 
Well, you taught me also, uh, I mean, I knew about crock pots, but uh, pressure cooker uh, cooking, I, I've added that to my regime. Yeah, pressure cooking is great. And, you know, I, I'm cutting way down on travel, but when I do travel, I either have a pressure cooker at my destination, like an instant pot, or I take the small one, the three quart one with me so I can cook potatoes, rice, beans, vegetables there. And it's, it's, they're, they're a lot, they're a time saver. It's, it's just so great to have healthy food ready very quickly. And that's what pressure cooking does. Did you ever see this book? I shared it with uh, Dr. John McDougall, Nutrition for Better Life by Nan Bronfen. She was the researcher for the Pritikin wow. Longevity Center, and all of his science came uh, in many cases from the work that he learned uh, from Nan Bronfen, who I, I met personally. I, I don't know if she's still living because, you know, the, the copyright date of this is a long time ago. I'm going to try and search her out. But, you know, Chef AJ, you know, you and I have so much in common, and more importantly, we have so much to share. And I'm so excited when I turned into your YouTube channel. You have a ton load of followers and subscribers. Well, I mean, I, I try to do something every week, and and mostly now I'm doing recipes because people really seem to appreciate them and want them. Next week I have a, a toasted everything bagel coming out, and I'll give you a hint: there is no gluten and no flour, but it looks and tastes exactly like an everything bagel. And you, you're going to love it because you have the Breville, and it's best made in the Breville. Oh wow! And you're a master making like desserts like oh, this chocolate I I, cake I thing oh yep at a los angeles restaurant and it, I, all my desserts were vegan but the restaurant wasn't vegan because you know they didn't care because when you audition as a chef you do a test meal you do and so they didn't care or know that they were vegan and i, I sweetened everything with dates so i have another book coming out this year called a date with dessert and all the recipes are gluten-free and flour-free and uh, refined sugar-free and of course oil-free some of them do have the richer ingredients like the nuts and the seeds and things like that you, you know, I, I know some of our colleagues are kind of opposed to nuts and seeds and avocados and olives and coconut. But I, I will tell you from over 43 years of following what I consider to be an incredibly healthy, nutrient-dense program, um, I do soak my nuts and seeds because I think you need to remove what's called an anti-enzyme anti property, according to Dr. Howell and his book. But, you know, I think you have to have a proper mix in there for caloric density because I'm an athlete still. I'm a competitive athlete at age 65 and I lift weights nonstop for an hour long at times. So I'm burning a ton of calories. So I, soups and salads and vegetables are not going to make it through no, my day. But if you have a sedentary woman, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with nuts and seeds. I think they're very healthy. But for some people that identify with food addiction, we just can't moderate the amount that we eat, you know, so when that's you, the probably the best amount is done. Seeds generally are not as addictive for people because most people don't binge on flax seeds or chia seeds, and you can certainly get your omega-3 fatty acids from those. But for some of us, nuts are just so hyper palatable, so delicious that we just can't limit it to an ounce or two a day. Well, I know Caldwell Esselstein, when I interviewed him, you know, he, he's very strict. Uh, you know, you, you can't eat nut seeds and avocados and olives. And then off screen, I said, I said, Caldwell, come on. Listen, you know, there's studies on walnuts that have a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. There's studies on whole nuts and seeds and so forth and coconut with lower incidence of cardiovascular disease. He said his answer was, well, 
can you eat just one nut or seed? And he said, particularly if they're salted. I said, well, if they're salted, I'm going to have an issue. But I, I, I will admit that uh, now that my hormones are under balance, I, I'm sensible. And I do include nuts and seeds and avocados and olives. But I have an added advantage. I can look under a high-powered microscope and see, because of the addition of the fiber and the nuts and seeds and coconut, av avocados and olives, that the fat is slow to be absorbed. And that slow absorption is, in my opinion, the critical factor because then the caloric density kind of pans out based on your activity level. And I agree with you. You can't be eating a bunch of nuts and seeds and avocados and olives, let alone adding olive oil to a person who's overweight. That's that's just the kiss of death for, for their fat cells. Their fat cells are just like sponges waiting to, to soak it up, right? Absolutely. And I do agree with you that if people want to eat added fat, it should be in the whole food form, nuts, seeds, and avocado, not, you know, not processed oils. And, and I think everyone pretty much in the plant-based world is in agreement about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I wrote the book, Acne Be Gone for Good, which is one of my best sellers, because I've helped so many kids with their skin to clear up. I tell them, if you're going to use fats, don't use separated oils. Get the, the small amount of nuts, seeds, avocados, olives. Uh, make sure you eat large amounts of fresh, whole food, unprocessed, uh, free of sugar and oils, because those sugars and oils are going to aggravate their hormone levels and cause hormonal acne. Isn't that uh, part of the risk? That when I read the book, The Clear Skin Diet, they basically said the same thing you're saying, whole foods. And I believe that they might also omit gluten, the girls, the, the twins that we were talking about, Nina and Randa, for acne. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, uh, gluten-free. I mean, it, my book, I made it gluten-free and, and, and soy-free, but it doesn't mean that I don't permit soy uh, on a limited basis. And I think some people are allergic to soy and gluten, and I think people should be tested to personalize and find out whether they can consume it or not. Um, but most people should minimize, particularly if it's processed. I do eat a lot of whole grains, but I like the, that uh, fitness bread. I don't know what it's called from Sweden or something. It's like a brick. And then Essene bread from the Bible, you know, so they don't have that amount of gluten in, in, in certain ancient grains have much less gluten. So I, right. I tend to minimize gluten, um, you know, depending on uh, autoimmune conditions and, and issues like that, right? Yep, absolutely. I think I think this is where people have to individualize their diet based on their unique, you know, biochemistry and pre food preferences, things like that. I think from a, a perspective of, I have a book that, that just came out and it's uh, in time for Valentine's Day, uh, Mastering Love, Sex and Intimacy. And I know you're great at telling jokes and things. I, I, I mean, uh, this is one of my, my favorite books. It 36 years in, in the research. John Gray endorsed it, uh, one of the best books out there. And I, I, I think that uh, sometimes we can divert some of our addictions to food to love and pleasure. And I mean, it releases similar hormones, right? Yeah, dopamine, baby. Every, that neurotransmitter, the, the feel-good one. I Actually, I should have worn them today. I have a pair of earrings that is the symbol for dopamine. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and oxytocin from hugging and kissing, right? I mean, that's huge. Yeah, and now with the, hey, now with the coronavirus, no more hugging. Three feet away, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little uh, no handshake. It's the bump, the elbow bump, the hand elbow. bump. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, let, let's kind of round out the show now which is finally about the coronavirus here I, I do want to comment a few things about that and 
Dr. Nick Delgado here with Chef AJ. The final segment, we're going to make it short because we're uh, running out of time. But uh, Chef AJ, this coronavirus situation, what do you do to build up your immune system and what do you advise people? I, I know you're not a doctor, but you do well, have okay. understanding about a healthy immune system. Absolutely. I am not a doctor. However, I do what my doctors at True North, who are my doctors, tell me to do. And I do it when I'm not at risk either. Diet, sleep, and exercise. All three are important. Like you had mentioned before about your father saying sleep wasn't important. Sleep is very important. So much happens when we sleep. We need to get adequate rest, adequate hydration, but we need to get the right foods in. And that is a piece of the puzzle that so many people just ignore. They're still eating a large amount of their calories from animal products, processed foods, starting their day with coffee, ending their day with alcohol, addicted to their technology. And, you know, you and exercise too. You know, I think it's sometimes even harder to get people to exercise than it is to eat right. So you, you need to do these habits all the time, not just when there is a risk of a virus. And and again, you know, nobody is 100% bulletproof, even myself as a 43-year vegan, but I do think that I have a stronger immune system and a stronger chance. I, I mean, I can't even imagine, I can't even remember the last time I had a cold or a flu. Just, you know, I eat so much high quality organic fruits and vegetables and I sleep, I you know, if, if I have company and it's time for bed, I'm like, you guys can stay. I'm going to bed. I don't let other people or other things compromise my sleep. And, you know, the same thing with exercise. I've, I had to make it a non-negotiable because my my self-care is my health care. And I don't I don't want to give my power away to doctors who are going to recommend things like drugs and surgeries to keep me healthy. And I've seen my whole family die of lifestyle-related diseases, from diabetes to cancer to heart disease, and they were. I want to be. I don't want to go down that route. So you know, diet, sleep, and exercise, and of course, adequate sunshine as well. You know, in this article, Scientific American, <laughs> fact or, uh, or fiction? Feed a cold, starve a fever. What's the answer? Well, it turns out that. <laughs> Through volumes of research uh, passed down from the early 1500s, a dictionary by John Withall uh, quoted uh, that the great remedy was to, you know, what was it, uh, uh, feed a cold, starve a fever. And, and the reality is, and here's, here's after quite a bit of volumes of research, you want to feed both a cold and a fever. When you're in fever state, you must hydrate. That's absolutely critical. Drink lots of fluids, even beyond what you think you should consume. Take in, I take in a lot of cold-pressed juices, a lot of fresh uh, water. Uh, I, I avoid or uh, completely uh, cut out, as I recommend to people anyway, animal product and dairy because it dehydrates. Um, and, and in terms of a cold, you need enough calories to fight the, the you know the cold or the fever or or the condition and so when they say chicken soup it wasn't anything special in the chicken they're just saying the calories and also the vapor of the soup moistened things up so the real truth is you want to um, feed both the the fever and the cold so the coronavirus you shouldn't be fasting you should be eating whole natural foods free mm -hmm. and the things that do depress the immune system are sugars 
and oils and animal products are loaded with microbes. Have you seen the work by uh, uh, Joseph Mercola? And he was interviewed with John McDo uh, excuse me, uh, Michael Greger, and they were pointing out the background of microbes and the cold and the common cold and, and the origin of animals loaded with these microbes that cause uh, influenza and all these diseases, mostly coming from animals. So eating animals, salmonella, E. coli, uh, all of these things had their origin back in animals product another reason for the coronavirus to go plant-based hey we wouldn't have the coronavirus if people weren't eating animals we wouldn't have any of these things like uh, uh, bird flu things like that if people didn't eat animals we'd have a lot less disease it's hard for people to believe this because you know it's not american to say oh you know trump invested in the beef industry right it's not american to say you know give up your beef and your dairy but beef and dairy you know has a uh what do they have? They have these lobbyists. So a, a common hamburger would probably cost 20 bucks and no one could afford to eat it anyway. If It's not sustainable. We should be eating for the sake of the planet. But what if we could eradicate most viruses, colds, and flus by eating whole plant-based and getting enough food? People are starving in other countries. They're starving and they're going to be susceptible to uh, colds and flus and respiratory disease. Those who eat a lot of chilies have the least amount of colds and flus if they get enough calories. Would you agree with that? Wow, I, I didn't know that, but I, but I, 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 that's great because I love chilies. You're talking about like fresh chilies, like jalapenos, things like that, right? Chilies are the, one of the highest sources of vitamin C on the planet, rich in bioflavonoids. I wrote about it in my uh, my early book, Grow Young and Slim, that the countries around the world that eat the most chilies have the highest vitamin C in intake. Plus, it moves the alveoli and the lungs. You know how you kind of like get watery eyes and your nose starts running when you eat chilies. The hotter the chili, the better. Wow. I do like a little bit of hot sauce now and again, so I'll, I'll think about having more. Now, I know your husband doesn't care for chilies and spices. Oh, my God. He has the, he likes, he thinks bland is grand. <laughs> <laughs> so with the coronavirus then, you, you stated the key factors. Get enough sleep. Make sure that you eat properly during a proper window of eating. Do you ascribe to eating during a proper window of 8 in the morning to 8 at night? I you know, I've interviewed Dr. Greger about this, and, you know, so many of the experts say eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, dinner like a pauper. I am not hungry in the morning. No matter what, I cannot get hungry till lunchtime. <laughs> That's so like my I son. He, he won't eat. Hungry, my body doesn't need food. So I generally eat two meals a day, lunch and dinner. And that's not to say that I won't eat maybe in between meals, in between lunch and dinner if I'm hungry, but... That's just what seems to feel right for my body. So I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think people, look, nobody could have ever been overweight or obese if they ate outside the demands of true hunger. But I do think that it's not that great to eat late at night. I, you know, like you mentioned with the sumo wrestlers, I think especially people that have disrupted sleep or any kind of GI disturbances, that there needs to be some window between eating and laying down. I just feel that that will benefit most people. I, I would admit that people sleep better when they haven't eaten a heavy meal at night. But if you're going to eat a meal at night, as I, I agree with you, oil-free, plant-based, fresh, whole food, because it digests easier. You, you know the old uh, saying, eat at a, a Chinese restaurant, you'll be hungry in two hours? That was because most of the Chinese food was plant-based, isn't it? Right. And it's, yeah, it's their starch, but it's mostly mostly vegetables. And absolutely and now you add the factor of oil-free, which you and I have been oil-free for over 40 years. 
you're going to find you digest your food very efficiently. So if you happen to eat a meal at 10 o'clock at night, it's going to be digested fairly clearly. If you're going to bed hungry, I guess I remember from years of starving myself to lose weight that it was so uncomfortable to go to bed hungry because when I was 12 years old, I had to make weigh-ins for football and I was eating one egg a day. That was all I was permitted and I was running five miles a night. So I would cry myself to sleep at night. I was so hungry. And then during school, all I could think about was eating. And for several months when I was in football season, I, I, I would just, you know, to, I vowed to never go on a starvation diet again in my life. To me, diet was starvation. But later when I found out about the plant-based diet, I knew I could eat and never be hungry again. But I also realized, you know, my tendency to overeat and my addictions. So, you know, that being said, um, I sometimes at night will eat if I'm hungry, <laughs> but I'll eat light and then I feel great the next morning. Absolutely. And just to clarify, I've only been oil free for 12 years, vegan for 43, but I didn't learn really about how bad oil was until I heard Dr. Esselstyn speak in 2008. I do something that's also different. Um, I, I studied Bernardo Lapello, the 114-year-old in Brazil. He's since passed on, but he was plant-based, uh, and he has these food demonstration cooking shows, and he talks about rubbing oil on his skin. So I do rub oil on my skin where there's dry areas, like uh, mm-hmm. extra pure virgin olive oil, whatever. And I know some's going to absorb into my bloodstream, but it's very minuscule. I've measured yeah, my I, blood I levels. I think coconut oil is a great moisturizer. It's great for your hair. It's a great makeup remover. So I think even Dr. Esselstyn is okay with using it externally. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. And uh, some people believe coconut oil is an antimicrobial during sex. It's a great lubricant. Uh, you know, it, these things uh, we learn about over time. But if you take oil in, there's something called um, pulling. So you put coconut oil in your mouth and it melts and you swish it around for about five minutes and you spit it out. You don't swallow it. Wow. Have you heard of that? I have heard of that, but I, I, just, I just, it sounds gross to me because that fat is just, it's just not not enticing to me anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think with certain fungal issues, it probably plays a role because coconut's high in caprylic acid. So I created a product called Adrenal DMG and it's got caprylic acid, garlic, ashwagandha. It's got all the number one things along with storing the adrenal glands. So for those people who are struggling with weight, methyl donors uh, like NeuroInsight with MSM, TMG, DMG, these things are good for uh, kids with on the spectrum, ADD and uh, autism. And also so um, I, I love to balance out people with uh, nitric oxide and beets. I love beets. I use a lot of organic beets. Um, what do you? Are you okay with some people uh, juicing, particularly cancer patients, because they juice greens and beets? So the saying is, juice your vegetables, but eat your fruit, and maybe to get the caloric density if they're if they're too skinny. You know, Again, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not really working with people with cancer. I'm working specifically with people that are food addicts wanting to lose weight. So juicing isn't as favorable because we're removing the fiber. But that said, if the only way people could get in their vegetables was to have a green juice, especially at first, or a green smoothie, I'm I'm not going to say no. When I'm when I'm like teaching all day, like like yesterday, I had a cooking class, and I I've got one of those. 
and from Trader Joe's, one of those green juices. And, you know, I mean, this whole, this huge 32 ounce bottle is like 140 calories, but it sustained me because greens have those wonderful thylakoids in them, which are compounds that help block fat absorption and that make you not crave sugar. So if the only way somebody could get green vegetables was to juice them, then I would say go ahead. But it is, you know, for, in terms of satiety, it's always better to, to chew your food and to eat it whole. Yeah. Uh, my mother, who's 85, tends to work too many hours and she, it's hard for her to stay hydrated. So I've got her uh, doing what I do during the cold and coronavirus uh, season. And that is uh, I take in 64 ounces. I'm, I don't have time to juice this stuff. So I go to the store, Mother's Market, which is our equivalent of Whole Foods, and I have them blend up uh, juice, 64 ounces of greens and add a little ginger and um, beets. And then I pour it in my Vitamix and then I add sweet potatoes or uh, the purple yams and some beets. And so I get the fiber and then I blend that all up. So it's 64 ounces and I'm peeing clear, which is Dr. Bat Majelian's uh, concept of our body's mini cries for water. So I find that the water from organic fruits and vegetables is more hydrating. And I don't want to take up space with a bunch of water because I need the nutrient density. So for me telling people to drink a bunch of water, if they're skinny or they're susceptible to colds or flus, I'd rather them take the cold pressed juices, mix them in with the fiber and then eat uh, the whole fruit. Don't juice your fruit. Never juice your fruit. Yeah. I agree. I, and I think that fruit juice is just too sickeningly sweet. I would, I mean, I would much rather eat an apple than have apple juice. Yeah. And, and you've come up with incredible recipes. Tell me your recipe books again. Uh, Unprocessed, The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss. These are already out. And this year you'll be able to get Own Your Health and a Date with Dessert. And uh, yes, I use the fruit, the whole fruit, nothing but the whole fruit. <laughs> and is there any truth to uh, Dr. Jenkins who studied the glycemic index? And I understand from a podcast interview friend of mine that when they asked him how much fruit is safe for your blood sugar level, the, the grandfather, the, the founder of the glycemic index said that you can eat as much fruit as you want, as many as 20 pieces of fruit a day, so long as you're eating according to, you know, your caloric needs and, and you're satisfied. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense. And also, he's a lovely man. I just had the privilege of interviewing him for my summit. Oh. And he's plant-based himself and he and very kind. And he basically said that one of the problems with the glycemic index from people looking from the outside is they'll see this glycemic index and they'll say, oh, my God, hair, carrots, they're so high. And Haagen-Dazs ice cream, it's so low. Therefore, Haagen-Dazs ice cream must be healthier than carrots. But he explained that you could never, ever – eat that amount of carrots most people so not to worry about eating fruits and vegetables regardless of where they land on the glycemic index and that the glycemic index was developed specifically for people with diabetes and that there are things like the glycemic impact and the glycemic load that are just as important because most people don't just eat one food even people that eat potatoes when we eat potatoes we're eating it with with some beans and some corn and other foods that offset that glycemic index of the potato. We're not just eating a potato. That's very true. Uh, actually, Dr. James Anderson from Kentucky was working with Nathan Pritikin, and he, to show the glycemic index was wrongly done, he said that when people ate an animal-based oil fatty diet leading up to the glycemic index, things like potatoes would test high or fruit would test high. But what he did, was he put people on an oil-free bean and fruit and vegetable whole unprocessed diet for two weeks. Then he tested the same food like carrots and uh, 
apples and so forth, and everything tested perfectly. And that's something Jenkins doesn't even know about. That's published in the 1970s, and I was privy to that science, 1978-79, James Anderson, in his book about diabetes. So for diabetics, they can control their blood sugar eating fruit and vegetables. And we know from Dr. Kempner's rice fruit experiment how they reverse diabetes, not just obesity, right? Well, it's incredible that people forget about Duke University and Dr. Kempner's work when they say carbs, I can't eat carbs, they make you fat because he used white rice, white rice, not brown rice, but white rice and fruit juice and sugar. And yet all of his patients not only lost weight, but became extremely lean and non-diabetic. And it seems like his work is almost forgotten now by all these keto low carbers. I love it. You brought it up and it, and you and we're not telling people out there listening to eat, you know, f- uh, fruit juice and sugar. But but to prove a point, it wasn't the sugar or the fruit juice that caused the insulin or sugar, blood sugar to spike. It was the fat that he removed because fat is very low in rice and in fruit. And so because their insulin was sensitive, whatever sugar did enter their body went into the blood cells and they did become diabetic. So yeah. you're absolutely right on. And these people, keto people, are so off. We okay. have the solutions, Chef AJ. Let's Let's just heal the nation, right? I would love to, and that's what I've been trying to do, but I'm getting a little bit exasperated, especially knowing I've moved from Los Angeles to the Palm Springs area, and it's even harder to find a supportive doctor with plant-based diets. There's like literally one, and the ones that do have an interest in nutrition are all, you know, grain-free, and, and it's, it's just, it's so backwards. Yeah, and you know, I, I get your frustration, and I did a talk at John McDougall's audience, like I know you were at his uh, weekend as well on, on a talk, and from John McDougall, I have the most views of my YouTube video, and also with uh, Michael Clapper, the most views we've ever had, and it's interesting because during the talk, I, I, I was a little frustrated, and I had this tinge of anger and it picked up, and you know how cameras are unforgiving, and I look back at that talk, and I had to edit out the some of my rude remarks and comments. I, I was just, just out of control. People said, oh, dude, that was way over the top. And then some people I liked it. it. I actually remember seeing it live because I got the live stream that year that you were there. John McDougall said that the uh, owner of uh, Whole Foods was in the audience. And uh, John McDougall said it was one of the best talks he'd ever heard or seen, but he didn't like me, the, the owner of, of Whole Foods. He oh. said he, he didn't like my personality. Oh, John Mackey didn't like you? Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I see why, because I watched it myself, and I thought, dude, that was way too arrogant. And, you know, arrogance comes from, like, this knowledge that you have, and I need to learn to become a little bit more humble and share with the audience from a compassionate standpoint. You know what I mean? (laughs) So now I rehearse before I go live. Look at be compassionate, be humble. One day you were a fatty. You were an animal-based eater. You were thinking you can't build muscle without chicken and fish and turkey and eggs. And now I'm completely, you know, free of that for 43 years, and I I should remember where my roots were, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, I love you, Chef AJ. Thanks, everyone. It's been incredible. Uh, we're we're going to end this show on that note. And uh, what's the website to find you, Chef AJ? It's my name, Chef AJ, followed by the word website, Chef AJ website. And uh, please give me that link to those incredible salad dressings that you were demonstrating a week ago. I want our audience to learn about incredible oil-free, sugar-free salad dressings, which we all need to eat more greens and salads. And not little bowls of salad, right? Like big bowls. Eat a salad every day the size of your head, Dr. Jay Gordon tells his pediatric patients. 
We love you, Chef AJ. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You're incredible. Bye-bye, everyone. Dr. Nick saying, living beyond 100, be strong, be well, and be in love because that's the most important emotion. Thanks, everyone. Please give us a review on iTunes, and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be EstroBlock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power & Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com, and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.